churches like you that support us to be there. And uh, we sure count it a privilege to represent you guys on the field of Nauru. And so uh, if you think of any questions, just again, stop by our display table and we'll do our best to answer them as we have opportunity. If you have your Bible this evening, if you turn to the book of Proverbs and chapter 17 and verse 16. Proverbs 17, 16. We uh, drove into the city today, and I felt like an honorary New Yorker because I got mad at a taxi. And so he was coming in my lane. He wasn't indicating. He was just coming. I'm like, I feel like a New Yorker now. And cut off by a cab, pretty sure that's all it takes to be a New Yorker. There's probably a few other things, but uh, that's at the top of my list when I think of a good New Yorker. So... The book of Proverbs, and we're going to be in chapter 17 and verse 16. And if you're able to, if you might stand with me as you read from this scripture together. Just one verse of scripture tonight, Proverbs 17, 16. Just remind yourself, when you hold the Bible in your hands, you hold God's holy and preserved word. And if the Lord should speak to us tonight through the preaching of his word and through the Holy Spirit, let's respond to him in an appropriate way. Let's read Proverbs 17:16. Let's read it through once out loud together. Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he hath no heart to it? Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity to meet together and for these people that are here tonight to hear from your word. Lord, I do pray that you'd help us to understand and apply this passage. And uh, we just pray that you'd bless our time together this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you for standing. I respect for the word, and you may be seated. Wherefore? The question is asked here, wherefore or why? For any sincere desire to gain that wisdom, and even no understanding to use that wisdom, if he were to come across it and gain it. They say that money will not buy brains. You and I know people that are all dollars and no cents. The idea... Here in our scripture is that it is foolish for a fool to try and buy wisdom when he has no desire for it, no sense to comprehend it, and no willingness to even follow that wisdom if he were to gain it. One author said, It is possible to be educated and have no heart for the truth, for truth has a moral dimension which education cannot provide. So why is there ready money in the hand of this fool to get wisdom when he has no sense or desire for it? A Japanese writer said, spend your money on the things money can buy. Spend your time on the things money can't buy. Groucho Marx said, while money can't buy happiness, it certainly lets you choose your own form of misery. And that is certainly true. Voltaire said, don't think that money does everything or you're going to end up doing everything for money. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we were to try to define wisdom, it would be godly judgment. It is knowing the right response to any situation. It is knowing the solutions to the dilemmas that we face and where to find them. It is the knowledge and the understanding of the living and true God 
and a complete worldview based on the Bible. One of our chapel preachers in Bible college said, experience is only the best teacher if you're too dumb to learn any other way. And that's still true. We know in the scripture the fool is often used for a wicked and a depraved person or one who acts contrary to sound wisdom. Someone that follows his own inclinations and prefers temporary pleasures to the service of God and eternal happiness. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. As we look at our passage, it is talking about a buying transaction And buying something relies on the fact that the the buyer desires to have, to use, or to own the item. You know, sometimes if you have trouble sleeping, you might turn on the TV late at night and you'll see infomercials. And they're trying to sell you something, probably something like you already have and don't use. But they're trying to tell you why it's so good. And you have to have the genuine one. And if you order in the next 10 minutes, you'll get two for the price of one. And if you order in the next five minutes, you'll get a free set of steak knives. And usually they go on and they show you how great this thing is. And what they're trying to get you to do is desire the item they're trying to sell. If you walk up to someone who just walked out of a store and you pick an item out of their bag and say, why'd you buy that? they're generally not going to say, because I didn't want it. If they didn't want it, it would still be in the store and you could go buy it, but they did want it, they bought it, they paid their hard cash for it, it's theirs. Now, it's possible the fool might buy something for someone else. Maybe this fool were married and his wife wanted this certain item, though he didn't want it himself, he bought this item to please his wife. And even fools know the proverb, happy wife, happy life. But this verse does not mention the fool or his wife or being a married fool. So we have to assume the fool to be a single fool, not a married fool, though not all fools are married and not all married people are fools. So Solomon kind of backtracks a little bit before the purchase has been made and he mentions the foolishness of the fool in his actions and in his desires. The first thing he mentions is the foolishness of the fool is seen in trying to buy something that he does not want. Trying to buy something he does not want. If he doesn't want it, why is there money in his hand to buy it if he doesn't want it? Is he just trying to buy the item to impress others who want the item? I can remember buying foolish things when I was a teenager because it was the cool thing to buy, whether you wanted it or not. Will Rogers said, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. I hope that's not true of you. But the fact that he does not want wisdom goes back to a heart problem that he has. He has no desire for wisdom. And about every problem we have and face in life will usually come back to a heart problem, usually at our end. Judas had just as good a teacher as Peter or any other apostle. He had just as good a company, saw just as many miracles, yet they had good hearts and they turned the world upside down for the Lord. Yet Judas had a false heart and he became a traitor And a devil. The second thing we see is the foolishness of the fool 
is seen in trying to buy something that cannot be bought. Trying to buy something that cannot be bought. You know, there is no store that you can walk into and buy wisdom. On Nauru, we don't have Walmart or any of the big stores like we have in the States. We have Capelli. And Capelli is a business that was started 50 years ago. It's just a small little business that has grown. And now they have a very large store that you can walk into and you can buy groceries and school supplies and appliances and gardening stuff. And upstairs they have furniture and electronics. The next building over they have hardware and fishing gear. And that's where I like to spend my time and money. And uh, generally, if you want something on Nauru, you're going to Capelli. You can hit a few other stores on the way there, but that's probably where you're going to find it. And when you find it, it'll be about three times the price you want to pay for it, if they have it, and often you get there and they don't have it. It's too late. And then you ask someone, they say, oh, it'll be on the next ship, so wait six weeks and it'll be here. And so usually we have that discussion and I leave Capelli empty-handed and if I'm feeling ambitious, I'll stop by a few of our Chinese stores on the way home to see if they have what I'm after. And a Chinese store uh, is a small store run by a Chinaman and he is going to stock everything that Capelli has, but he's going to stock it in the size of a store that is about the same size as your bathroom. And so you look at the Chinese store and there's just stuff everywhere. It looks like a hoarder on steroids, you know, of all made in China stuff. So you walk in there and it's hanging from the ceilings. It's stacked on the walls. It's piled high. And you've got a little goat trail that you can weave your way through the store looking for this forbidden item that you're trying to find, like you're on a quest or something. And then you walk through and they don't have it. You can't see it anywhere. And so then you begin this interesting conversation with your Chinese friend here. And you say, listen, Flan. I'm looking for this. And so you tell him what it is in English and then you begin the charades about what you're trying to explain this item to be. It sounds like... And so you're explaining it to him. You're trying to use very basic, you know, pigeon baby English about what it does, him go boom. You know, you sound very foolish and you're having this conversation because... His English is better than your Mandarin, so that's definitely going to be the language of choice. Finally get things across to him, and he's like, oh, and they maybe pull out a few things. This flan? No, not that one flan. Then they finally get to the point, you hope you're talking about the same thing, even though you're not real sure. And he gets to the thing, oh, flan, me not have, him finish. I'm too late. Either what, what he thinks I'm talking about, he doesn't have anymore. But they always say, Oh, Flan, you go Capelli, Capelli have. They have this great faith. Surely a store as big as Capelli has everything. Yay, Flan, if you need wisdom, you go Capelli, you buy $5. But there is no store you can walk into and buy wisdom. Usually after they say that, I'd begin this frustrated tone. I say, Flan, If Capelli have, me already buy. Me not come here and ask you. Me already be home now with the thing me buy. They just kind of look at me. Oh, oh, yeah. But they have this blind faith that Capelli just has everything. And if you need wisdom, you can buy it at Capelli. But there is no store you can walk into and buy wisdom. 
You can't walk into Walmart and buy wisdom. Sometimes you can't even find wisdom amongst the Walmart employees. Because wisdom must be taught. It cannot be bought. That's why Solomon writes this book of Proverbs to his son in an effort to teach him wisdom. But for all the wisdom Solomon tried to teach his son, Rehoboam was a fool in his actions. For all the riches that his son would inherit, Solomon knew wisdom must be taught. And it can't be just taught, but it also must be received by a heart that desires wisdom. Have you ever tried to give advice to someone that doesn't want to take it? That's what Solomon's trying to get across here. There has to be a heart to receive that wisdom. Proverbs 18.1 says, Through desire a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. The third thing we see is the foolishness of the fool is seen in thinking that money will buy everything. The fool is foolish enough to think that money will buy all his needs and all his wants. But wealth without the heart or a teachable and humble God-fearing mind is of no avail for acquiring wisdom. They say money can buy a house but not a home, can buy a clock but not time, can buy you a position but not respect, can buy you a bed but not sleep, can buy you a book but not knowledge, can buy you medicine but not health, it can buy you blood but not life. So things that money can't buy that are the priceless things, manners, morals, respect, character, common sense, trust, patience, class, integrity, and love. Lastly, we see the foolishness of the fool is seen in having a heart that does not care about important things. Proverbs 4.7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is not just to be a minor or an elective, but it's to be a major in our life. Wisdom is knowing what God thinks about something. Once we find that out, that usually settles the issue, doesn't it? Wisdom would be seen in the Word of God and in the very person of Jesus Christ. So knowing Him should be the most important thing in our life. Pursuing Him and His wisdom should be the most important thing that we see in our life. So as we see this verse and we see the principle here, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to missions? Missionary Jim Elliot said, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. He was not foolish in the use of his life in the cause of the gospel. But we have to be careful with this thinking that money is enough. Sometimes we can boil missions down to just money. And there is much more to missions than just money. Sometimes you can picture the big CEOs up in the boardroom and they've got a problem and they're discussing how they're going to fix it and they'll generally come to the conclusion is, let's just keep throwing more money at it until it's fixed. 
And that's how the problem is solved. More money. That's what we need. More money. That'll fix it. And if we're not careful, we can get that idea about missions. What do we need for missions? More money. Yep, yep, that'll fix it. More, more money for missions. That'll fix every problem the missionary will have. But it is not true. Missionaries need prayer. I wonder if every prayer cost a dollar, how much missions giving would we really be doing? Missionaries need safety. Missionaries need encouragement in the form of email or mail in, in person or in the snail mail. I can't tell you how many times through this, this last term that an email came just at the right time to encourage us to keep on with the work. Just wanted to let you know we're praying for you. Let us know if there's anything specific we can pray for. And you think... I'm not forgotten over here. Sometimes it can feel that way. Missionaries need patience. Missionaries need land. Missionaries need souls. Missionaries need faithful people, especially men. Missionaries need furlough relief. So thankful for Leo and Kathy Payne standing in the gap for us in Nauru so that we can be back here on furlough at this time. Missionaries need replacements on the field. And that will mean your children, your grandchildren, and even the great-grandchildren. Missionaries need open doors of opportunity. Many of these things, money doesn't make a difference. Many of these things, you can keep throwing money at that, but it will not be fixed. We have to beware of giving without heart involvement. We have to beware of thinking missions is only about money. And if I do my bit and put the money and on the check and put it in the offering plate, that's all missions is about. But it's not. If we're giving without a heart involvement, we're in danger of being foolish. Giving money for something we don't care about. I'm not telling you it's foolish to give to missions. It's certainly not. But it's foolish to think that missions is only about money. What about our own praying? What about our own giving? What about our own going? You know, missions giving isn't a supplement to make up for our own deficiency in our Christian life. Well, if, if I give to missions, I don't have to witness to people here. I can't do it. It's, everyone's so busy in the city. That's not how missions works. We don't get to pick and choose our part in the Great Commission. Well, I'll just major on this and I'll let the others do that. It doesn't work that way. We don't get to pick and choose. Every Christian is to be doing all three. The praying, the giving and the going. And sure, someone might major on something more than something else. But we don't just do something to the complete neglect of the other. Oh, well, missionaries, you know, they're going so they don't have to give. It doesn't work that way. We give to missions just like you give to missions. We're all to be doing our part in the Great Commission. We have to be careful we don't give to missions 
and we think that's all that is that we're to do. Or be careful that we think, well, I'm giving to missions because I care about the souls in Nauru. I care about the souls in Australia. I care about the souls here. But I don't care about that taxi driver that just cut me off. We can get a bit hypocritical, can't we? think, oh, pray for those missionaries over there. Pray they reach souls with the gospel. But not that guy. We have to be careful. Missions giving does not take away from our responsibility to witness to the lost around us. Praying, giving and going are all commands for every Christian, not just the preacher or the missionary. We're all to be doing all three. I wonder what does our spending and what does our use of our financial resources show us about our heart? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6.21 I wonder is our heart investing in something that will matter in eternity? Or are we just wasting our resources and wasting the desires of our heart on things that will not make a difference in eternity? When we get to heaven, the Lord won't care about what kind of laptop or what kind of phone or what kind of car or what kind of house, what kind of other things your heart cares about. They won't make much difference in heaven. But I don't think you'll regret the money or the resources you invested in missions. But there may be a rude awakening about many other things we spend our time and efforts on. Certainly, missions is a good investment. I hope you feel that way. But there is much more to invest in missions than just money. Where is your heart this evening? Is it involved in temporary things or eternal things? Are we caring about souls or too worried about stuff? Maybe there's some things that we desire more than wisdom. If I only had this, only had that, it will not make a difference. I wonder what does our heart desire? As it is involved in missions as it needs to be. Maybe there's some other ways we could be more involved. Maybe you just need to remind your heart tonight to get more involved in missions. It's not just about that check. It's not just about the offering. It's about you investing in something that will make a difference in eternity. Both in your giving and in the the things that you do with your life. Maybe you're being foolish in some way. I wonder if we were to look at our life from the Lord's perspective, would he deem us to be living a wise life or a foolish life? Do we care about spiritual things? Or are we just busy with wasted, carnal things? Things that take all our time, all our attention, all our finances, and all our care. But there's no care for the spiritual things. I don't have time to witness to people. I don't have time to get to church on time. The preacher should just be happy I'm here at all. Where is your heart at this evening? 
Certainly Jesus Christ is wisdom personified. Be sure that you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior. There's many things in life you can be ignorant of and it will not make a lot of difference. Jesus Christ is not one of those things. Be sure you've trusted in him. Be sure you've repented of your sin. Believe the gospel and called on Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior this evening. If we could have our heads bowed and eyes closed, so we just think on these things this evening. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, would you just take some time and respond back to him? an invitation if we'd stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed if the Lord has spoken to your heart take some time respond back to him this evening